This week's podcast brought to you by A Wig of Bees. <laughs> you ordered something from a, a local pharmacy, and I sent me to pick it up. And when I went to pick it up curbside, the gentleman who brought it out said, uh, Lobo, is that any relation to the Rebecca Lobo family? And I said, why, yes, it is. Rebecca Lobo ordered this, and I'm just picking it up for her. And he said, well, she likes to keep herself well hidden, doesn't she? I suppose she values her privacy. To which I said, she works on TV. To which he said, oh, I guess I've missed that. have known that the weather was going to be weird this week when um, thousands of yellow jackets were trying to squeeze into our house through a crack between the house and the chimney. Not trying. Trying and succeeding. They succeeded. Um, But we didn't. We didn't know anything was weird. And as a result, I took all of the kids to Cape Cod on Wednesday afternoon slash evening while you were Doing you, a sun game? Or was you, that Thursday? Actually, you took all the kids to Cape Cod on Thursday. Thursday. Because that night I was going to be, and did, call a Connecticut sun game. Got there, and to my surprise, well, I turned on the NBC Nightly News. It happened to be on. And Lester Holt was saying that uh, the first hurricane to strike southern New England in 30 years is on a path uh, for the Connecticut-Rhode Island border which was news to me. And then I called the Connecticut Sun game, got home late, woke up at 5 a.m. on Friday to drive up to the Cape to meet you for a fun weekend where we're going to go to the beach and like a last last hurrah. And I looked and I saw the storm alert. And um, my thought was, if if I thought Steve was awake at 5 a.m., I would probably call him and say, would it make more sense for you to come home? But I didn't do that. And, and sadly, I was awake at 5.15 a.m. And, But I didn't do that. So instead, I got in the car and uh, drove the three-plus hours to Cape Cod, arrived um, 8.30 or so, because I had to do something for work via Zoom at 10 a.m. And um, started packing up to go home. <laughs> pretty much got there. We spent, we, we talked about it, all right, uh, as we watched the local news where the, ma- that just was uh, the press conference of the Massachusetts governor saying, do not go to Cape Cod. We are going to experience flooding and downed power lines. There is no guarantee we can get emergency vehicles across the bridges. So. No guarantee we can get you off the Cape. Do not go to Cape Cod. Like that was the biggest Warning, take away, yeah. the takeaway and as you and I are sitting there on Cape Cod and so we're trying to figure out all right this is Friday do we leave late tonight or do we get up at 5 a.m. again because Cape Cod traffic on Saturdays, Saturdays is always bad yeah nobody wanted to, none of the kids wanted to get up early so we decided we would we would leave in our case 24 hours after we arrived in your case 10 the same day yeah yeah so we, get, we raced home but first, I was like, "Go ahead." First, I said, "I need a nap because I was up at five after a late night calling a game. If I'm going to drive home again tonight, 
I need a nap. So I'm not a napper, but I took a nap. In, in your defense, in my defense, you got three blissful hours in the car listening to a podcast or listening to your own music. And um, the return trip, of course, we split the kids up over two cars. But we raced home to do all this hurricane prep because now the well, latest model, did. the latest, yeah, yeah but, but as the day evolved, the model became, it was going to cleave a path directly through our family room. Right. The I mean, the, the line of the, of the, on all of the networks and the Weather Channel was literally through our house. Right. And, and what, you know, the new model showed that actually the Cape is going to be totally fine. The storm is totally going to miss Cape Cod. However, you in the middle uh, of Connecticut, in the northwest part of Connecticut, you're going to get crushed. So we spent all day Saturday prepping for, for the hurricane. hurricane. Henri. For Henri. And you were driving around to get batteries, water. Ha, good luck with that. Well, I did get water, did get gas. Did you see a guy coming out of... I was going... We were just going to get like an extra bottle of water. We, we filled all the bathtubs because we've talked about this before. Our, we have well water, so if you lose power, you can't flush your toilet. So we filled our... Ba- we filled two bathtubs to the brim and... um. Or is it to the rim with brim? Was that coffee? Fill it to what the rim that? with brim. It was, was coffee, it yes. Was, okay, so I filled it to the rim, the water in the bathtub, and then uh, went to get a like a big Poland Spring water bottle at the grocery store. And as I'm pulling into the grocery store parking lot, I see a guy wheeling out his grocery cart with, I think, eight of those giant Poland Spring water bottles, the kind that you have to turn upside down and put on like a water bubbler. He was he was prepping for a couple weeks worth of no water. Or, or just making sure that nobody else was, was going to have water. Yeah, or making sure that nobody else got any. Um, By the way, the, the, the power company did say setting the bar as low as the, the limbo bar as low as they can, uh, which, is, which is typical of them, said that... Uh, uh, you may be out of power for as long as three weeks. Yeah, twenty-one after the days. Storm. Twenty-one days. What? You're, you're that incapable that we people could be out of power for twenty-one days. Anyway, so went to one gas station um, because we don't have a generator at our house. So um, if we lose power, if we want to charge our phones, it's going to have to be in in a car. So but some of, houses light up like the Vegas Strip. When oh yeah, the power as soon goes as power out. goes out, yeah. And you can it's hear like, the humming of their generators from from. The next county. I think the generators are actually saying "sucker, suckers." Anyway, so first gas station, there's like the yellow bags on all the handles because gas station completely wiped out of gas. This is a big gas station, completely wiped out of gas because everybody's been there filling their their bottle, their red plastic five gallon canisters. canisters I, I was in the center yeah. of town looking for gas, and there was a guy at the light in the lane next to me with a bunch of those canisters. Full, I don't know, but piled up in the shotgun seat next to him. Just thus taking all the gas. It's and, Mad Max. And I just want to top off my tank. That's all I wanted to do. I was eventually able to do that. Ice was, uh, grocery store wiped out of ice. They st- they did actually have a ton of like the smaller individual bottles of water to because drink. People were going to lose power in their fridges and, and they were filling coolers. Yeah. Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, that's the idea. So I bought a few boxes of pasta and got some sauce so you know things that we can still eat over the cooktop stove that we do have uh 
still have propane when we don't have electricity. There's no propane available anywhere, by the way. Oh yeah, propane was was gone as well. And and but then we had to do all the prep around the house. I've I've taken to enjoying the outdoor plants. <laughs> so I had a lot. I got a lot of outdoor plants this year. We had a garden that actually, for the first time, it was a robust garden. We had these huge squash plants, but it wasn't. They were in like portable. Um, planters. Yeah, but in, but in order to bring all of that stuff into the garage, we had to clean out the garage. Right. And it, that involved taking out, we, we've had, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, we have the, we have the ping yeah. pong table that we dragged into the driveway for the summer. And dragging into the driveway for the summer meant it is blistered and it's been rained on and it's and it's now like a topographical map of a, of a slightly mountainous uh, nation. And so it's it's really not useful anymore. It was a it was a hand me down ping pong table from neighbors who moved out. Uh, when I was trying to fold it up to make room for the plants, it collapsed and nearly in the vicinity of our daughter who was on the garage floor. And I said, "It's time to get rid of this thing." But then it was a several hours of of unscrewing a thousand screws and dismantling the metal base frame of this '70s ping pong table. Um, so Before it, we could take it to the dump. Right, so, so, so anyway, it, it was a process. You disassembled and, that. You brought all the metal parts to the dump, but we decided we're not going to take the actual table to the dump because which weighed an insane amount. Yes, I mean it's but ridiculously just in heavy. case, just in case this hurricane is everything they're saying it's going to be, and like we have a, a sliding glass door in the back. If that gets smashed, we'll be able to use this ping pong because, because table to cover the hole. There'll be so much rain and winds from seventy-four to one hundred and ten miles per hour. That naturally, we're afraid that uh, our windows will get broken. Something might happen, and so our, our roof we, will be blown off. We, we Who bring, knows? We bring our planters with the garden in it, the kind of heavy planters. We bring those in the garage. We bring some of the other plants that I have accumulated over the course of the summer. Bring those into the garage. You know, anything that's outside. We were patio furniture, we were batten the pillows. Down the so they're going to fly away. So oh yeah, we took care. The of hatches it all. were battened. We took care of it and, all. It, it was and we, we an were, entire day we spent. And we were told repeatedly by every channel, hunker down, hunker down, hunker down. Hunker. So, oh, that was we the other, that was the pro- one of the other the other process bringing up a Tupperware bin from the basement that has our you know we're losing power supplies, so it has a bunch of candles. So I put a candle in each room, and then it has um, the little lanterns. Each kid has like a little battery-powered lantern. It has flashlights. And so one of our kids' jobs was to test all the AA batteries and, and set aside the ones that don't work and, and separate from the ones that do. It was a whole a, process. A lot of downloading of, of- programs for the oh, three weeks without yes, power yes that that was the kids main thing was let's make sure we have enough stuff downloaded and i i'm charging up devices in the, the like the auxiliary battery packs or whatever that those things are called ch- getting those fully charged but we were ready we had our deck of cards out we knew where yahtzee was when we lost power we we were going to turn on one of the battery powered lanterns light a candle played card games a puzzle. Oh, got got extra dog food because we need at least twenty one days worth of dog food. Yep, got an extra puzzle. We were ready. Can I can I say what happened next? You can. It rained. <laughs> it rained. It rained some more. It rained a lot. It rained a lot. And then it just stopped raining at some point. And that was that. 
And and then the, we, we are still in the middle of reversing the whole process of taking everything out oh, of the house and garage. I, I, was, I was thinking that as it was raining yesterday, and our plants are all still in the garage. Today, it's a hot, sunny day. I'm going to bring all the plants back out to the deck and bring the garden out and have to water them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the best part of it all to me is once we get all these plants back out I must spend some extra time watering the things don't get us wrong it was the best case scenario and we're grateful and happy that there wasn't a hurricane oh of course however it was a little surprising that it was nothing just rain <laughs> just rain Yes, no, absolutely grateful and happy that we got out of it unscathed, that we ran, rushed home from Cape Cod, that we got everything secure here, and, uh, and if there's any and it still got wet. Any silver lining is that some guy has a garage full of Poland spring bottles. <laughs> That he can't do anything with. Well, but what about other people, all the people have, have cans and cans of? I gasoline. guess they'll just put it in. I'm assuming you use the same gas, same level of gas, octane gas for a generator as you use for your car. So they'll just use that in their car now. Presumably. But yeah, I mean, it was. It certainly gave you a window into people's souls, though. Like, I'm going to take every bit of water that can fit in my cart. The rest of you be damned. I'm going to fit. I'm going to fill every single one of my. Uh, gas canisters the rest of you be damned i'm gonna like, stack as many blue rhino tanks in my deck as as will fit right it, it was it was clear that when uh as george wallace says the stuff goes down <laughs> then xyz we're all going to be uh fending for ourselves when the stuff goes down between dragons and flies Dragonflies are going to have to pick a side. That's all yep. he's saying. That's all he's saying. The day I got to, or the morning, the early morning that I arrived at Cape Cod, one of the first things you said to me, I had called the Connecticut Sun game the day before against the Minnesota Lynx. You had watched it. And one of the things you said to me was that I was too harsh on my well, young broadcast I think partner. You, I think you asked my opinion. I would I would never offer an unsolicited hot take on your broadcast. My broadcast partners, the second time I've worked with him, Brendan Glasheen, a young twenty-eight year old play by play person. And we were having fun counting the number of jump balls in the different songs because we had talked there's about an extraordinary the game number before. of jump balls right there's yeah the, the, well a... the previous game there'd been a ton of jump balls and and I was enjoying noticing that in the Mohegan Sun arena they play a different song for each jump ball so we get to the near the end of the game and they start playing the music and I don't know if the officials were at the scorers table looking at something but it seemed like they were playing the music for a while and I said Brendan of course you know this song right and he paused. Which is uh, bad enough to put somebody on the spot like that. Of course it is. But, I, there but was on no, TV, it's, it's, it's... There was no part of me that thought he wouldn't know the song. I said, do you know who this is? He's 28. So he's, he's born in, say, 1993. Still, still. I said, do you know who this is? It was Van Halen's Jump. 
Now, I understand he was born after the song came out and after it was wildly popular, but he's a play-by-play guy in an arena. It's one of the staples when there's a jump ball. There's Chris Cross's jump, jump, and then there's Van Halen's jump. Did they ever play jump around? I think they did. I'm not sure, though. But how do you not know that? And so he just looked at me, and I I, I couldn't let it did go. He look at, I probably, did he look at you with pleading eyes like, please don't do this to me? No, he was. I couldn't really tell because we were calling the game with masks, so it's a little hard to read people's facial expressions. And, and it, yeah, it's true. But, um, but I, I had to string it along for a little while because isn't that still even if you're born after the fact isn't that still a song you should know he said he didn't know and then you just you just strung him out you 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 well no then he started like fussing around and making it worse and so i just had to say you're making it worse right and and i felt empathy for the guy having been there myself many many times that's so not true. You, if anything, you're the one who would say to me, do you know that song? Or if I didn't know a song, what? You don't know that person? We've, you've done it on the podcast. Don't you remember this jingle or, or this thing from 1964? And if I don't, you do that to me. I don't think I ever do that to <laughs> says, you. Says the woman who on the same podcast said, fill it to the rim. With the brim. <laughs> well, that's that? after. Talk about a 1964 jingle. Oh, sure. But that was after I couldn't remember if I was filling my bathtub to the rim or the brim. Well, anyway, he seemed to have taken it well, um, probably better than I have over the years. And uh, and all I can say to young Mr. Glasheen is welcome to the club. But to bring this back around to where this discussion started, if you remember it was, well, not, not the discussion about jump ball songs, but the hurricane and all that was our infestation of yellow jackets, which a guy who was out looking at something on the side of the house noticed that there was, uh, you have a, a lot of a swarm of angry bees going into three separate holes in your house. I said, oh, that doesn't seem good but then he thought they were honeybees which would require what a guy to come in a beekeeper suit extraction take, yeah you can't take those endangered um, honeybees endangered, away yeah it turns out they were yellow jackets and then you call the pest control for that and the guy came and sprayed and as a result would you say 100 200 Hundreds. half dead Drunken hundreds yellow jackets kind of stagger through our house on a daily basis. Oh, daily! Two of our kids have been been stung. One was stung twice yesterday after stepping on one barefoot because they're all dead or dying. I'd say there's probably about, you say between fifty and seventy-five a day. Well, I, I, every morning I sweep up maybe forty of them and and release them outside, and then. Within a couple of hours, or at least ten more, and I do that a couple more times. So yeah, I'd say seventy-five a day. And we wouldn't have sprayed the nest if it wasn't in our house. I I don't know what else you do. I I, mean, right. I I captured many with a glass, clapping a glass over over a magazine, and then releasing them 
back into the wild where they fly back to the chimney and come back into the house. And if it was, if they were honeybees, of course, we would have gone through the appropriate measures and gotten the appropriate person here to remove If they were honeybees, I'd, I'd open my own apiary right now. I'd, I'd, I'd be wearing a beard of bees as we speak yes. and, and making honey. But they're not. They're yellow jackets. And um, yeah, it's been four days of this. Four I, days. I of, found out the hard way when I tried wearing a beard of yellow jackets. That you got to finish the thought. Well, it's just it. it I'm, I'm leaving it to the listener's imagination okay. how that would have gone. Okay. Poorly, I would think. Right. So anyway, actually, we're, as a bald man, I was going to wear a wig of bees. And when we were preparing for the storm, we had a candle in that room so that you could continue to sweep up the. Yellow jacket, the half-dead, drunken yellow jackets every day. But now we're left in. The, now I don't know. Are there are there ten thousand more? I don't know. How long will this last? I don't know. The bee guy said, when they've run their course, though he gave me no indication of when that would be, caulk up the cracks and the the holes between the chimney and the house. He said because if you call a guy like a chimney guy to do that, he's going to charge you an arm and a leg. All you need all you need to do is caulk it. So, but when? When? In the winter? I think when there are no he, more I bees? Because he, he had said the same thing to me. I think he indicated that the fall was the right time to do it because we still have all this time to let the bees return to their nest for their bit of poison. Like, I just hate the, I hate the whole thing it's about terrible. it. Yes. And yet, what's the alternative? I don't know. Do we have a resident beekeeper? Uh, yeah. Or pest control expert? I don't know. There would be two different people, presumably, right? Sure. Well, speaking of our residents, shall we Shall we check the viewer mail? We shall. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Well, speak of the devil, not that Ralph in Maryland is the devil, but speaking of jump ball songs, Rebecca... Yes. Hi, Restiva, writes Ralph. No less than Michelle Vopel was watching the Lynx Sun game last night and commented via Twitter on Brendan's unfamili- unfamiliarity with Jump by Van Halen. Michelle Vopel of ESPN, of course. I was watching it too. I am sure I heard the tune, but was not paying such attention that I picked up on it. I'm not paid to either. <laughs> Another classic song that is used when a visiting team player fouls out is Hit the Road Jack by Ray Charles. I did pick up on that right away. So far as I know, it's the only tune that is used. That is used uh, almost exclusively, I think. I think you're right. For uh, players who follow out. How often do players foul out? Is that a dying art, fouling out, Rebecca? Um, they don't follow, foul out very much in the WNBA. That's when I was sure. growing up, like in the NBA, guys fouled out on a nightly basis, it seems like. Well, but think about it, too. WNBA, you foul out on your sixth foul, which is the same as the NBA. But in the WNBA, you play eight fewer minutes. You only play, a, your game is 40 minutes. So um, six fouls is a lot. So you don't have people foul out very frequently. There was a philosophy with for some players that you know you can't take them with you, so use them all up. Well, except that now you get into the bonus so quickly. At the fifth foul of each quarter, you're in the bonus, so it sort of de- deters people from fouling too. Uh, Ralph uh, throws a sucker punch on the way out. Would you like to hear it, Rebecca? I would. Given Steve's wait for AAA to arrive the other day, I think I know who the captain is. That'd be me. That makes me the stoker? Well, that was the assumption the whole time. 
Ah, dear Stephen Rebecca writes Michael in Higashi Kitazawa. Hey, Michael. Uh, greetings from Higashi Kitazawa, where indeed both the sand and the sidewalks are 110 degrees. I hope this finds you well. Per the intro to last week's podcast of Rebecca's observation of the Chicago convenience store's web address and then Steve's brief exploration of eating popcorn while still wearing a face mask, I do hereby propose the following. Steve buys the internet domain stevebites.com and then designs and sells food-laden face masks slash nose bags slash feed bags for any and all allocations. Honestly, it would only be a matter of time before White Castle would come a-calling and want in on this new niche food market. And not to take sides or stir up the marital pot, but non-malevolent bird flipping in any state of abject frustration and weariness would be and should be deemed justified and or encouraged. As always, please keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. I think that's a great He's idea. He's on your side in the, uh, in the bird flipping. I mean, he brought it all together. He, he, he tied together threads that, that we left untied last week, stevebites.com and the, um, and and the, mask. the, 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 the mask trough. Yeah, the mask trough. The nose bag, the feed bag. Mm. I should. I mean, Denny, if this isn't a side hustle, I don't know what is. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Joan writes, In an antique store in Amish country, I just saw this beauty hanging from the ceiling above the entrance door. I thought Steve especially would love it as it has a banana seat in back for the stoker. I'm sure Rebecca wouldn't mind being the captain. Love the podcast so much, Joan, official casino gal. And here is an attached photograph that is, you know, how you can send large. Oh, it's, it's so large that I'm just sort of scrolling around to see bits and pieces of it. Like, this is like, is this the elephant's trunk or what is this? So, oh my gosh, Rebecca, look at this. Spectacular Schwinn. Look at that. Electric blue. Gorgeous. Cough syrup blue Schwinn mini twin. That's does twin it, with two ends. Does it have gears? Oh my goodness. No, it's a... It's a f- fixed gear uh look at this rebecca the twin banana seats and the and the blue and white tassels hanging from the handlebars mm, that is a beautiful bicycle was this thing this thing is hanging in, in an, an antique, antique shop? shop yes how do how do we not have that I, we could find out who is the captain and who is the stoker. And then find out... Fenders? If, chrome fenders? This find out incredible. if there's a, a neighbor whose garage we can store it in. Well, we've just made room with the ping pong table. That is spectacular, Rebecca. Maybe you could post that picture. I know you always say you're going to post stuff and then you never do, but that's one. Our, uh, our bracket challenge winner from two years ago. Get anything yet? Okay. Excuse I'll, me? I'll post the picture on that, Instagram. I'm mean, <laughs> getting cheap shots left and right. That was fair. If you're going to say I am negligent in, in my duties on Instagram, I have to call you out on so the anyway, big fail. Two the big our, fail. Two of our viewer males now have referred to you as the captain and me as the stoker, which. And you as Tennille. And me as Tennille, yes. Uh, Bob in Huntersville, North Carolina writes oh, his, his, his email header is Captain and the Stoker and put out the smoker. Dear Rebecca and Steve, one, for a time in the 1970s, the Buffalo Bills sideline mascot was two people in one buffalo costume, one person for the front legs, the other for the back legs. Do you imagine that? Do you imagine that such a tandem suit required a captain and a stoker? <laughs> oh, how awful. Can you imagine being the hind legs of that of thing? Of the Buffalo Bills mascot? Oh, my gosh. The mascot costumes are just gross anyway because it gets so hot and sweaty. Yeah. But then being behind someone in that? Uh, that oven of a, of a yes, Bills mascot? Terrible. Two, 
I enjoyed the telling of your roadside saga of waiting for AAA. If you care to embellish the already harrowing tale for Ball and Chain the movie, perhaps the boorish teens, rather than merely yelling profanities, could pull over to ask if Steve needed any help. <laughs> then blast him with a fire extinguisher, a la a story from Steve's youth. Well, believe me, Can you Bob, imagine? That would have been so poetic. poetic. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that was so frustrating about it for me was because I was that kid 300 years ago. Right. And now I'm no longer that kid. So do you think it was a glimpse of my own mortality, Rebecca? Perhaps. That, I was, that I was lamenting more than the two kids shouting profanities at me? Maybe. Uh, Bob, I, I wish now that that had happened. That would have been, that would have been, uh, I would have deserved do it. You? It would have karmic. Do you wish that it happened? Well, not really, but no, I, 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 I do. That would have been phenomenal. If I'm you surprised. Had, instead you... of texting me to say that you had just gotten flipped off by a couple of teenagers, just teenagers, if you said a couple of teenagers just drove by and hosed me down, hosed you down with a fire extinguisher, that would have what, been amazing. What would have been great also is if you had said, I'm coming to bring you Jersey Mike's. You've been waiting there for five hours and then you came up, you pulled Brought up. You Mike from Jersey. <laughs> that would have been. Not, I would not have cared for that at all. But had you pulled up and then just hosed me down with the fire extinguisher, <laughs> I should have done that. We what have you, a fire. Had I brought you Mike from Jersey, well, <laughs> it was such your formula that I thought that's what you were going to say. You know what? At that point, I probably would have welcomed Mike from Jersey, <laughs> as it sounds like a caller to WFAN. Mike from Jersey, you're on the air. Three, as I write this on Sunday, I see the weather report, a swirling white mass over Connecticut from Hurricane Henri, praying the Russians are all well. Your simplest of palindromes, Bob in Huntersville. Uh, well, Bob, I think we've answered that question about, about Hurricane Henri. By the way, Rebecca. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe we had so many people sending thoughts and prayers. Maybe. That it diverted the storm. Henri was also uh, something so benign about that name that it was hard to kind of get in the frame of mind that it was going to right. wreak havoc. Right. Hurricane Hurricane Henri, Henry the Eighth by Ermans Ermits, Rebecca. Mm. You know the song? I'm Henry the Eighth, I am, Henry the Eighth, I yes, am, I, I am. Do. do you? I do. Because if you don't, you're only making it worse. <laughs> I do. Herman's Hermits. I do. From before I was born. Yep. Hi, Steve and Rebecca. Hi, oh, Steve and Rebecca. Was it usually Rebecca and Steve? Or was Steve a Oh, true. But this isn't even an alphabetical order. I think that that means that I'm the captain mm. and you're the stoker. No? No. Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. I hope you're all doing well. I missed a few weeks of the pod, so I was behind, but I've caught back up again. I wanted to extend my services in your daughter's college church. As you know, I'm a student at Connecticut College, and I think we check off the biggest this item. This is Hannah? This is indeed Hannah. It is indeed a Hannah. Our, our, our least simple of palindromes. Correct. As you know, I'm a student at Connecticut College, and I think we check off the biggest item on your daughter's want list. We are not UConn. <laughs> uh, Hannah, you have nailed it completely. That is it, yes. Completely. In fact, we get so upset when you do confuse us with UConn that we put it on a T-shirt. I've attached pictures below. Indeed, well, uh, I don't, I'm not seeing the pictures, but I'll get to that in a second. Now, it's really less about the school and more the fact that Connecticut College and the University of Connecticut have some similarities in name, but we get upset on principle. Actually, as a basketball player, it has a lot of perks because I tell people who don't live in or near Connecticut that I'm on the women's basketball team at Conn College, and they think I'm playing for Gino. If it's someone I know I'm never seeing again, I usually just let them believe it. Why not let them pretend they've met a legend in the making? Perfect. I, I think they have met a legend in the making. 
this is this is uh, so insightful. True. Uh, the 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 difficulty with um, Connecticut College being not UConn. Our daughter's main criteria being not UConn. Her second criterion, or one of them, seems to be she has a, by her own admission, some kind of psychological block about going to college in Connecticut, even though she's looking at colleges closer to home out of state than some are in state, and she knows it's absurd. Something about the proliferation of Connecticut license plates would make her feel like a little too close to home. Not that that's a deal breaker. So anyways, if your daughter would like a tour or any sort of information on the school, I'm happy to help. Also, our coach is the former assistant coach under Jennifer Rosati, Jackie Smith. So we do have some UConn connections if you need references. As always, thank you for the wonderful podcast. Hannah, soon to be back at Conn College. Hannah, enjoy your time back at Conn College. It's, uh, kids are going back to college this weekend. Uh, a friend of our daughter's was over yesterday and was shipping off to Providence College last night. And they were lamenting... Uh, Never, as, as, as our daughter said, she said she was never going to sleep in her bed again. I said, really? She's not coming over at home for Thanksgiving? He said, well, no, her bedroom is being converted into her sister's bedroom. The same thing, our daughter said, that's going to happen to her room when she goes off to college, which is true. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of sad, Rebecca. Yeah. Oh, and here's, 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 uh, here are the pictures of the Con College shirt uh, featuring Humphrey the Camel. So it says Connecticut College, which featuring their mascot, Humphrey the Camel, which is fantastic. And um, so Humphrey the Camel is on the front, Con College. And on the back, uh, there's the old JTH, Jonathan the Husky, the sort of fluffy version of Jonathan the Husky mm-hmm. with the circle and the slash through it. And the, and the words, not Yukon. That's perfect. Perfect. In, in some ways, that would be the ideal school for Eldest. Uh, she could wear a T-shirt that says, not Yukon. Dear viewer mail, writes uh, Tom in Missouri, uh, Clayton, Missouri. Kindly disregard that I'm a week late with this. I was busy. Then again, since attendance isn't being taken, I guess I won't get in trouble. You won't get in trouble, Tom. I don't know what happened last week, so this will be fresh to me. Interestingly, and I appreciate that's a very relative term in this case, the word tandem doesn't mean what most people think it means. It doesn't necessarily mean two things. Tandem from the Latin at length means two things or more that are one in back of the other. Did you know that, Rebecca? I didn't. Neither did I. If you had a bike with three sets of pedals in a line, it would still be a tandem bike because of the arrangement of the riders. But if your bicycle for two had you sitting side by side, though I'm not sure that that's even physically possible, you would not be in tandem. Now, that's what I want now. Side by side, non-tandem bicycle. But they're it's connected. Kind of like those those boats that you pedal. Yeah, exactly. Where you're side by side. Exactly. You probably do a bike, something like that. Just, just a cow catcher cleaning off the sidewalk as you go. Yeah. It would have to be. It would be. Or you see those double strollers, sometimes triple-wide strollers. Yeah. This would be that, but a bicycle version. But a triple-wide is still... Much narrower than a, than a double-wide bicycle. That wouldn't then be tandem, right? Because you have to be one behind the other? No. Is that what he's saying? It wouldn't be tandem, yeah. Okay. It needs to be side-by-side. Side. It would be more like a motorcycle sidecar situation. Next time you're in D.C., stop by my favorite unheard-of location, the Jefferson Pier, a small marble block not far from the Washington Monument, which marks where the Washington Monument should be if it were truly to be in line with all the major D.C. landmarks. Is that, is that a thing? Say that again? Next time you're in D.C., stop by my favorite unheard-of location, the Jefferson Pier, P-I-E-R, a small marble block not far from the Washington Monument, which marks where the Washington Monument should be if it were to truly be in line with all the major D.C. landmarks. Is that the sort of mini, tiny, little 
Washington Monument looking thing that's right near the Washington Monument because we did see that. And we I saw a that. woman posing for a picture in front of it. And I said to our son, I think they think that's the Washington Monument. And it's like uh, Stonehenge and Spinal Tap where it was made. Um, they screwed up the scale and it was made a tiny Stonehenge. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, I, I, you're only making it worse. Well, at least I'm being honest. People usually just walk right past it. Whenever I stop and admire it, people will notice it and ask me, what's this? And I'll explain it's fascinating history to them, though fascinating would also be a very relative term. I'm fascinated by it, and I think that's what we saw. It's it's on the same grassy knoll as the Washington Monument, and yet I, I didn't even bother to go. I, it looks like, you know what it looks like, Rebecca? It what? looks like where you would hide the key to the Washington Monument under this little... <laughs> Stone like the thing. fake rock. Yeah, yeah. Th that's what I thought it was, actually. Finally, uh, let's get to Dr. Gary Siegel, shall we? We shall. Dr. Siegel's uh, promising email header. You think? Remember, we sometimes worry that this is a burden for uh, Dr. Siegel? We do, yeah. Yet he has assured us it isn't? Mm -hmm. Well, so much for that. Okay. His header is, sometimes it is a chore. <laughs> But he's but like all good workers, he still gets his chores done. He gets his chores done. And and Dr. Siegel, I have to say, if you think it's a chore sometimes, try doing the podcast. <laughs> What's he got for us? Let's see. Dear Rebecca and Steve, due to having a busy working weekend, including seven deliveries and all of the other things that go along seven with it. Seven deliveries in a weekend? That's a lot. That's, I mean, you could work for Domino's and, and wouldn't have that, right? <laughs> True. I didn't get around to the podcast until Sunday and, frankly, didn't have a chance to prepare a correspondence report until Tuesday morning when I had a day off. Unfortunately, as the day began, I was called into work on a planned off day, so I'm now having to choose. Go to work or send a thorough report. I hope you made the right decision, Dr. Siegel. Let's listen. So please accept my apologies for a short note, and I do look forward to this week's pod. Um, well, Dr. Siegel, it's it's it's... As Mark Twain said, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I'm writing a long one. The short report is often takes more time, effort, energy, and thought than the long report. Shall we, Rebecca? We shall. That said, one, and the here's here's Dr. Siegel's short report. One, in the past I've been on the phone with AAA, and yes, indeed, it is voicemail hell. You know, I Rebecca, I got uh, their their feedback questionnaire, which I've I, didn't respond to, and I've got since gotten a second one. So I'll, I'll make a point to respond to it. Please do. And because and, we've also since gotten in the mail, AAA trying to sell us life insurance after the way they handled the um, tire. Well, I, I don't think I I'm think, getting think, my life insurance I think, I think, from AAA. I think their, their plan is they just wait till you die. <laughs> Again, I always had great experience with AAA. Actually, this, this, was our, this was the first time yeah. where we've had this kind of a delay. Two, yes, Virginia, teens are stupid. And, and when, they, <laughs> when they flipped Steve off, I certainly was amused that the gentlemanly Steve Russian, perhaps under the influence of heat, hypoglycemia, and biting mosquitoes, replied in kind. See, I think, Michael thinks it was completely appropriate. I think, I think it was done, it was done uh, tastefully. Oh, was it? It was. It was done tastefully. It was, it was, was, there any, was there any yelling involved? It was below the sternum. It wasn't raised on high for all to see because there were there were other there were cyclists, other motorists. Anybody riding in tandem while that there, was there were happening? people on side by side uh, unicycles. 
Three, and finally, long ago I stopped carrying coins in my front pocket so I don't ever have coins for fountains. I certainly would not throw a paper dollar bill into a fountain, not because of the amount, but because it's just odd. <laughs> I agree with him. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a dollar. Like, you would no problem throwing in four quarters. It's just and it's much, uh, much less satisfying than, than seeing a coin plunk into the water. Hearing, like now, the plop and the wish. Two and things the... I'm thinking of here. One, when we were on the intercoastal waterway in Florida, not long after you and I uh, met with my family, and uh, I think you were there, weren't you? When I said, get a load of this head of lettuce? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. Uh we were betting after dinner, my brothers and I, if one of, there were clearly alligator infested, if one of us, uh, what, what it would take, how much money it would take for one of us to swim across in street clothes after dinner and a few beers to swim across the intercoastal waterway. This doesn't ring a bell? No. And so I think it was my brother John who was willing to do it, but it was going to be $200 or something. He was gonna, it's a short distance. But again, but you're fully full clothed and full of alligators and probably illegal. Uh, so I said, uh, I, I said I would give him, I think the figure was had gotten up to $200. And he said, well, it's, I don't believe you unless you produce the money first. And I said, I'll give you the money if you swim across. And, and anyway, in this back and forth, he said, I don't think you have the money. And I whipped out of my pocket. I said, oh, yeah, look at this head of lettuce. And I whipped a wad of cash out of my pocket. And as I did that, one of the $20 bills flew off the head of lettuce and gently wafted into the intercoastal. As a result, he never swam across it. And I basically had just thrown $20 but into it. You were still out $20. And they thought that was uh, hilarious. The other thing I'm thinking of is I went, I did take those ping pong table parts to the transfer station on Saturday. And the guy who took my name said, um, Rebecca usually comes here. And I said, that's true. She enjoys the, the give and take. Um, but, Mostly the give. But, I, but it's me today. So he looked at everything I had to drop off, and he said, that'll be $10. And again, I whipped out the head of lettuce uh, from my pocket, and I only had $9. I had a five and four ones. And uh, and I told him that I only had nine bucks, and he said he would he would take the stuff for nine bucks. But then he said something along the lines of, "Rebecca probably doesn't even carry money or cash or something like that." And I said, "That's right. She's like the president of the United States or the Queen of England. People just pay for things in her wake, and she doesn't even realize that there is and U.S. currency." Actually, I always have cash. I don't. I'm not a big cash carrier. But I do always have cash when I go to the dump because I always, I just don't remember what stuff you can drop for free and what stuff costs money. So I always do have cash when I go to the well, dump. Well, good. Next time, next time they charge you ten bucks, bring eleven because I shortchanged them I a will dollar. I do that. And speaking of shortchanging people, that's all we've got for today. That's it. I think it was a lot of good stuff. I think so. Next week we'll we'll long change them. Okay, sounds good. And and. And Dr. Gary Siegel, if you need, you can always take a week off. Just send just send an email even. It says I'm taking the week off or don't send an email at all and we'll just know you took the week off, although then I'll worry and I'll at least need you to send an email that you're okay and we're just taking the week let, off. Let, let, me, let me be the 
bigger person here. Dr. Siegel, you could take two weeks off during the course of the year, not consecutively. <laughs> not and not with pay. And just let us know so we don't worry. Dr. Siegel, I think, is very excited. The, the, the Atlanta Braves are red hot. Uh, the freeze almost got beaten last night by the guy tripped at the finish line. But anyway, I think he's... Uh, who tripped at the finish line? The freeze. The guy who sprints uh, oh, along the, the warning track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against the Yankees last night. Okay. Anyhow, the Yankees, by the way, red hot as well. Ten winners of 10 games in a row. The Baltimore Orioles, losers of 18 consecutive games. Talk about the Yankees. I'm calling a game tonight from home. Ryan Rucco is, is on the, the play-by-play. He's announcers. one of the Yankees announcers. But as we were taught, when we call games from home, we, we do our our calls with coaches via Zoom. And when we did our, our coach call with um, Cheryl Reeve, Pam Ward was also on the call just in case she gets pulled into duty because Ryan's wife is due with their first child any day now, a daughter. And... Um, it might be at halftime. I might do the first half of the game with Ryan, and then he may have to rush off to the hospital, and the second half will be Pam. We'll have to wait and see. Or maybe before the game even starts, I'm going to have a change in play-by-play play people. But um, anyway, really, really exciting stuff happening with our broadcast crew. I wonder if it's too late to have Dr. Gary Siegel fly up from Atlanta so he can deliver baby Rucco. Well, if only if only uh, Ryan were doing the series on site in Atlanta, we could just and and he was the one giving and birth. And he was the one giving birth, yes, exactly. That, that, or, or his wife just always traveled. Missed with him. it by that much. Yeah. Yes. Well, on those notes, <laughs> Tom Dick Harry, Denny Gallagher, and Denny Gallagher, wherever you are, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.